Thank you, men. You know, I, I don't know if you can tell, but I'm in a really good mood today. It's just been a great day, and I had a lot of sleep last night. Anybody else get a lot of sleep last night? Not only did I get an extra hour of sleep, but Felicity slept through the night, right? Okay, I needed to make sure with my wife I didn't just sleep through it. And I went to bed early. And I feel really good today, but there's one thing I don't feel good about. You see, it was recently said, I've got this quote behind me, and that's not the right quote. Hey, Dave, if you could go to sermon slide one, please, that very first sermon slide. My remote's not working today, so I'm going to have to depend on Dave. That's not it. Is that it? Did it mess up my slides? Okay, fine. I don't feel so great anymore. Here's my sermon slide one. You see, it was recently said, and I saw this in an email devotional, it was recently said that our world has become a hornet's nest of hostility and hate. And sadly, this attitude can even creep into our churches. Dave, if you want to find that slide or just go to the one that says love your enemies or love one another. You see, ever since I read this quote, I haven't been able to get it out of my mind. Because for Christians, for those devoted to Christ, we should not be controlled by anger, by hate, by our frustrations, by any of these things. It should not be creeping into our churches. I wrote down the only hostility and hate the world should see out of a devoted Christ follower is a hostility and hatred towards sin and any type of sinful behavior around us in the world or in our life. We should have a hostility and a hatred toward any type of sinful behavior that we keep turning back to instead of turning back to Christ. Jesus commanded us in John 13, 34 to love one another, love one another. And in Ephesians 4, 32, we're told, we're instructed to forgive as Jesus forgives us. Romans 5, 8 tells us God himself shows us his love in this, that yet while we were still sinners, Christ was sent to die on our behalf. We were his enemies to God in our sinfulness. We were not righteous. We were not good, not even one bit good. In fact, as perfect as we think we might be at times, we're not good. We're sinful. We needed Jesus. We needed a way out. We needed a reconnection, a restoration with the Father, and that's who Jesus was for us. God demonstrated his love for us, even though we were as enemies to him. And Jesus commands us to do the same. But do we really do it? Do we really do it? We're going to take a break from John. And as we work towards Thanksgiving, as we work towards this holidays, we work towards, I don't know about you, but I do, I work towards Preparing my belly, preparing my stomach for Thanksgiving, for all the great food that we're going to have. Let's also work to prepare our hearts and minds and actions to love one another. And that starts today with focusing on loving our enemies. And as we focus on this idea of loving your enemies, I want us to look to the God-like, Christ-like example that we see in Scripture. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you might be thinking, am I really supposed to love my enemies? Some of you might be thinking, but pastor, but this, but that, but this. 
But none of that matters. Yes, we are commanded to love one another. And that's not just as easy as it may be to just love the people who also reciprocate love back to us. We're not commanded just to love those who love us. We're not commanded just to love those who show us kindness. It may seem impossible to love even our enemies, but we must remember that even our enemies are children of God. And maybe these children of God just need to see the mercy of God in us and in our actions. Again, I know what some of you might be thinking, but pastor, you don't know what they've said about me, to me, to so-and-so, but pastor, you don't know how they treated me, how they treated my siblings, how they treated my parents, how they treated my best friend, but pastor, you don't know what they say behind my back, but pastor, you don't know what they, how they've turned all my friends against me. These are things that we often think, that we often say, that we often do. Again, I go back to quote the idea, our world has become a hornet's nest of hostility and hate. Sadly, this attitude can even creep into our churches. Has hatred, has hostility crept into your life in a way that we're not showing the love to our enemies that we're commanded to show? We're not showing a reconciliation, a heart of reconciliation. That's a big fancy word, but to try to mend relationships and to try to turn an enemy into a friend. We shouldn't just ignore the past. We should work on trying to mend these relationships and fix these past issues. Or at the very least, we shouldn't allow these things to control us in a negative way to where we keep on adding more poison into our life, affecting our life, and expecting it to damage them. Now, I'm not telling you to invite these people into your closest friend circles. I'm not telling you, as we talk about loving your enemies, to invite them over for Sunday dinner. However, as I typed this up, I thought about maybe that's exactly what these people need to see. Maybe this type of love being shown to them would be what truly helps them see the love of God. Maybe if we spent a little bit more time loving others, even our enemies, praying for them instead of hating and complaining about them, not critiquing them and venting about them to others, then maybe God would either help soften their hearts for the needed change and mending that is necessary, or they would help mend our hearts. God would help mend our hearts to move forward and not allow what's happened in the past to control us in the present and the future. Author Pastor Ray Pritchard had this quote. I don't know if Dave can find it again. And it goes along with this idea. Before you criticize someone, pray for them. If you don't have time to pray, you don't have time to criticize either. Man, that hurts, doesn't it? That's like a spear in my side because I know how often it affects me. I'm no perfect person. I'm a sinner just like the rest of us. And I'm sure you you can also associate Or understand this saying too. If you have time to criticize, you have time to pray. Now again, I'm not saying we 100% need to trust them again. However, there is a saying to keep your enemies closer. But that's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that we are commanded to love our enemies. And this would be a great way to show God's love in action through your actions. 
me say that again if you're taking note. This would also show God's love in action through your actions. We must drop the stones and move forward in love. You see, I was going to be preaching this week on John chapter 8. And we're going to be talking about the men who wanted to throw stones. And that's what we so often want to do. Our first instinct as as sinful human beings is often revenge or avenging. Is to show show destruction, to show more insults, to to insult one another. Our, Our sinful ways is so often to think we're going to show them so they they never think to treat us illfully badly again but i tell you all that does is damage others and yourself but before we get to that i wanted to share an example with you i heard a great example loving our enemies this week i was watching a world war ii movie about hacksaw ridge and about a combat medic by the name of desmond doss and you see, it's interesting because I was not planning this when I was planning my sermon that this coming week is Veterans Day. But what a great tribute we have is remember one life. And this is just one illustration, one idea of people in wars that lay down their lives for the sake of others. Now, I want to say this movie on Hacksaw Ridge was not a kid-friendly movie. And I'm not up here from the pulpit saying I recommend all of you to go and watch it. But it was very educational and motivating to me and very inspirational to think about how this one man was willing to risk his life for many. And let me tell you about this man. This man alone saved over 75 American soldiers in one night. Lowering them down a cliffside edge while Japanese soldiers tried to hunt him down and kill him. And all while the area was being bombarded with artillery. And while all the rest of his American soldiers, his fellow soldiers, had already retreated down the cliff and left. The movie shows them retreating. And as Desmond Doss gets to the edge of that cliff and he sees all the fellow soldiers going down, he realizes there's wounded, there's injured soldiers behind me. He says, no, I can't go down yet. God is calling me. I need to go rescue those individuals. Back to my notes before I give you a summary of the entire movie here. At the bottom, it showed the superior officer commanding them all to retreat and go away to their encampment, their camp, and and to help get the wounded, the injured, and the dead off to the hospital zones. But that that superior commands two people to stay. And the people even look at him like, why? We're all retreating. He said, no, stay here. Those two men stayed. And that's what I'm going to share about here. This man, Desmond Doss, would not give up on rescuing the injured. One by one, he lowered men down by rope to the bottom of the cliff. And after each one praying to God, saying, Please, Lord, help me get one more. Just one more. Please, Lord, help me get one more. And if this does not sound loving enough, let me give you more details about who he was saving. In this movie, it very much showed the life of Desmond Doss as he went through basic training to get to war. And these fellow soldiers, through basic training, they mocked him. They despised him. They even tried to get him kicked out of the military and court-martialed before going to war because he refused to carry a weapon. This Desmond Doss, he's going off to World War II and he refused to carry a weapon. He would, he would run straight into enemy fire. And even now in this scene, he's rescuing people. As Japanese 
are, are shooting all around him, and he has no weapon to defend himself. And he stated, even while he was being court, uh, tried for court-martial, which went through, did not go through, he stated, while everyone else is taking life, I'm going to be saving it. He expanded on this thought, saying, with the world set on tearing itself apart, it don't seem like such a bad thing to me to want to put a little bit of it back together. He missed his own wedding. He missed his own wedding as these soldiers would not let him go because they thought they found a loophole to get him to hold that rifle. They said, you have not completed all the training to become a soldier, and we're not letting you off on leave to go get married until you hold that rifle. He would not hold that rifle. He said he could not give up what he believes in. Desmond Doss would later risk his own life to save these very people who despised him, persecuted him so greatly. Let me take this illustration just one, one more step further, and we'll get back to the message here today and to God's word. You see, about loving our enemy, these two soldiers down at the bottom of the cliff, set, cliff were retreating the wounded, retrieving the wounded as he was is lowering them down, one at a time, one at a time, lowering them down by rope. And the, a superior that was at the hospital had said, where are all these wounded soldiers coming from? And they, they said, Hacksaw Ridge. The superior said, impossible. We've already pulled out. Well, the soldiers replied saying, there's someone still up there. We don't know who. But the wounded, they keep getting tended to and lowered down despite being alone and in great danger. There's someone up there. It's at this point they told the superior that this man, who we know was Desmond Doss, even lowered down a few Japs, they said. He even saved a few Japs. Now, they make this comment that some laugh at that says, they didn't survive. My guess is we can look into this a little bit more, but... Here's the point. Desmond Doss risked his life to truly, literally show love to his enemies, even those that were physically trying not just to cause great harm, but to kill him. God shows us love. Jesus shows love, merciful love, grace-filled love. What about you? What about me? What about all of us? Do we show love to our greatest enemies? And maybe you don't think you have enemies. I think that's probably wrong, but let me tell you, eventually we all do have enemies. And even if we think we don't have any enemies, maybe if that's our belief, I can guarantee you somebody will treat you as one. How will we respond then? Well, Jesus addressed this well in Luke 6, 27 to 31. He says, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them also. As we continue in this message, I want to give you a point here. As we look to God-like, Christ-like love, how are we to show love? Well, we're to love sacrificially. 
If I didn't give you enough examples from World War II, Desmond Doss, and from Jesus himself, and I don't know what else to say, but I do continue to keep listening. I, I, I ask you to keep listening. You see, the scripture here in Luke shows us a sacrificial love. We see Jesus put these very principles into actions with his life. Jesus did good to those who hated him, and he still does. Jesus blesses those who cursed him. He still does. He prayed for those abusing him, and he took it all sacrificially. He took it all for us. Jesus put aside his feelings. His desire was to do no more than the Father's will and to complete his mission. And we too should desire the same. Jesus, he loved sacrificially to the cross. Desmond Doss, he was willing to go to the grave and to save and show love to others, even the Japanese, the enemy. Both were willing to go to the grave for others. Jesus really did. And then he raised again in victory over sin and death and hell. What are we willing to do to show love as Christ commands, to show love for others? You see, this love can be one of the greatest examples of God's love to our enemies. You know, these enemy soldiers of Desmond Doss, these fellow soldiers that critiqued and persecuted him so much during basic training, after that first night of him saving over these 75 men, I don't know how much was dramatized in this. I hope they kept it somewhat true. But this, this very man that was despised by so many, he went to, he got off the cliff edge finally, hands bleeding, could barely walk after, after going through such a night. And then the very uh, lieutenant and, and commander of his battalion came to him and said, I'm sorry, Desmond, I hope you, and this was as he was reading his Bible. And he said, I'm sorry I treated you such a way. I hope you can forgive me sometime. And then he came to him in the next scene and said, we need to go back up there. But the men, they've heard what you've done and they don't want to go back up unless you lead, unless you go with us. They know there's hope at survival if you're with us. And then the next scene, it shows him at the front, this whole battalion waiting to go up this cliff. And it shows the commander on the, on the radio. And there's another man on the other side saying, why haven't you gone back up yet? You're supposed to be up there 10 minutes ago or something like that. And he says, we will not go up until Desmond gets done praying for us. God wants to walk through this life with you. God shows us how to treat our enemies. God shows us how to walk through this life with enemies. But we need to stop looking just to our own feelings or what the world shows us is right with revenge and hostility and hatred. And we need to show love. Show the love of Christ. You know, this was God's great plan of redemption, but unfortunately, we won't even pick up a phone or walk across the street metaphorically to seek reconciliation and show sacrificial love to others. But a God-like, Christ-like love is a sacrificial love. It's a love which is shown even to the most undeserving of souls, people of which seek to hurt, destroy, or kill one's reputation or life. The next point I have for you is this. Following through with this God-like, Christ-like love example, we see we must also have a repentant love. We cannot truly show God-like, Christ-like love to others if we have not yet repented and accepted Christ's love. 
to us. This is what gives us the the way to a new life, a new way of living, to show us the hope that there is through the forgiveness of Christ. And we must show it to others. So before we move forward, we must ask ourselves, have we repented of our sin? Have we asked for God's love, Christ's love, to cover us and to help us move forward, (laughs) to help change our actions and our life for the better? Ephesians 4.32 instructs, Be kind and compassionate one to another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. Now this does not sound easy. I know it's not easy. God's word instructs us to do hard things, but it's because we're never meant to do these things alone. And with God's power, we have a great more power within us to do these hard things. Don't try and do it on our own. Also, don't try and just avoid doing it at all. We can't go through life avoiding what God clearly details to be right, no matter how hard it is to do the right thing in all circumstances and to show compassion. We must show compassion, seek reconciliation, and show love to our enemies. Next, my next point, and my final point before working towards closing here, is we must show merciful love. Show merciful love. At the end of Jesus' teaching of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10, Jesus asked in response to this story, which one, which action was right of the neighborly? Verse 37 reads like this. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him to go and do likewise. We must show mercy. God's love, Christ's love, it's merciful And every day, God wants us to become more like Christ. The Holy Spirit's within us, sanctifying us to make us more like Christ. This is God's example for our living. Do we show merciful love? Again, I said earlier that when we're trying to just show hostility and hatred, it just destroys us just as much as it destroys others. I wanted to share a reading, an article I found with you talking about this. It says, physically... Hatred causes blood pressure and breathing rates to increase, which causes a strain on your heart, making you more susceptible to heart attacks and stroke. It can also trigger headaches and other pains of the body. It can break down your immune system and cause you to be susceptible to various diseases. Hatred can also destroy you emotionally. It wears you out and makes your judgment less effective, leading to bad decision-making Embarrassing situations, depression, and feelings of guilt. Hatred can also destroy you greatly um, uh, spiritually. And we must show love, not hate, not hostility. We're told throughout the Bible that the essence of God is love. And if we're holding on to this hostility, this hatred, it causes a separation between us and God. Have you ever noticed where sometimes when you're in these terrible situations, these circumstances, you're holding on to such hostility and hate, you often feel like God is far away. Why has God left me, we think to ourselves, but so often the very reason isn't because he's left you at all, but because you've left him. And you've left living in his way. You're allowing hatred and hostility and and anger and frustration to cause us not to see how close God really is and how he's showing you a way out. Psalm 66, 18 tells us, If I have sin in my heart, God will not hear me. 
Friends, there are probably a lot of us who feel disconnected from God and because there's a lot of us that are holding on to hatred and we need to allow the world to see love. A sacrificial love, a merciful love, the love of Christ. And it starts with your actions. Allow people to see God's love through your love, through your actions. Focus on him, not them. Focus on his will, not their will. Although their will may be to hurt you, to destroy you. Maybe it's your reputation. Maybe it's your feelings. Maybe it's physical harm they seek. Maybe the world and people around you just wish Christians and you specifically as you speak out against the wrongful ways of humanity. Maybe they wish we would just die. But we must still focus on Christ. Focus on God. Focus on our mission to show love in all circumstances. Focus on him, Christ, and have a godly love by living with love for one another, just as Christ loves us and instructs us to do. As Luke 6, 28 instructs, and we read, Bless those who curse you. Show others love and pray for those who abuse you. And as I close, I remind you those three points we see. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those mistreating you. But before we close, I have one further application. You see, knowledge must not just be heard, but it must be acted upon. That's a great problem in the world today. I don't know if you have noticed, but everybody wants more wisdom. Everybody wants that, that tweet or that, that phrase, that statement of power that would just make them look so smart, so wise, so popular, so strong. But it's not about just having wisdom. We must be acting upon that wisdom. So let's put this into practice. And think in your life, who is one person that it may sound impossible to show love to, to reach out with an olive branch, to try to mend a relationship and turn an enemy to a friend. Who is that one person in your life? There's somebody. Or maybe you think, I haven't done anything wrong to them, but they still keep treating me wrong. Who is that person? Because I want you to start praying for them right now. I want you to pray for God to help you show love to these people. I want you to pray for God to soften their actions, soften their speech, soften their hearts and minds to see his love and to see your love which comes from him. A love which is a godly, Christ-like love, a sacrificial love, a repentant love, a merciful love, a love which encourages, a love which seeks to mend and reconcile, a love which seeks to better a situation and not seek to continue down a path of hatred and sin. A love which seeks to make an enemy into a friend. A love which seeks to not just see your repentant love, but also allow them to have repentance also. A love which allows them to seek forgiveness from you and shows them the forgiveness they can have from a Savior. Pray for God's help for you too as you do this. But pray for them to see Christ, most importantly. Remember, a kind word turns away wrath. Remember, loving your enemies demonstrates in a powerful way that you belong to Jesus. And his sacrificial, redemptive love guides you forward to a better way of living. Remember, loving your enemies demonstrates God's love that you have received.
Let's close in prayer and song now. Thank you. Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that every single day of our lives, you continue to show us love. And then you've given us this great helper within us, the Holy Spirit, which helps guides us and bring wisdom and peace and self-control and hope and love and joy and more. Lord, we're never alone. May we allow your love work within us and through us for others to see and even show love to our enemies. And when all we want to do is talk bad about them, critique them, complain about them, or have revenge or avenge others on their behalf, may we still find ways to pray for them and to show them not just our love, but your love. Let's love others today in every day of our life. And let's not let hostility and hatred creep into our lives and into the church, the body of Christ. Unless, and very much it should be, we should be having a hostility and hatred towards sin. The sinfulness in the world and the sinfulness in us. Let's speak out against these things and show them the perfect love and loving ways of our Lord. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you. Please stand. Let's close together in this song. Instead of uh, focusing on our enemies, let's focus on how God's blessed us. Sing. Count your blessings. When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the
Jesus loves you, and so do I. And you know one great way to show love to others? Show up for Sunday school, where we can really talk and get to know one another well. Thank you. You're dismissed.